You've joined us in the Bereavement Room, a podcast for our community, faith and culture, featuring representative voices from across the UK. And I'm your host, Kosima Ali. And today's guest is Lydia Akoble. Lydia is going to talk to us about her father who died in 2013. A warm welcome to Lydia. Hey, Lydia. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you yeah. for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for coming along. How are you feeling? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long week, but I'm happy it's the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a Saturday morning for us. We had a few tech issues this morning, but <laughs> we're here, thank God, and I'm really happy you've joined us today. Thank you. So, Lydia, in your own words, however you want to talk about it, give us a bit of context. Um, you know, what's your background? Where are you from? What do you do that kind of thing so uh, my name's Lydia as everyone knows um, I'm 22 and um, I'm from London born and bred um, I grew up in Islington um, but we now live in Havering which is like east uh, London so mm. yeah proud of both areas proud to be from both places um, I just finished uni so I did my undergrad and my master's at the University of Leeds um, in the north and um, now I'm back in London and I'm working for a charity so yeah that's me that's a wow. very short <laughs> story of what I'm doing at the moment. Oh lovely that's amazing how, how was Leeds? Leeds was great it's a great city it's like a little London yeah um, and it's a great place to go when you're an 18 year old not really knowing mm. <laughs> much of the world yeah or much of the UK so it's a really great yeah. city and I had a great time there. That's amazing. Yeah, it can be a bit daunting, I guess, when you've born and bred a Londoner, I know, and when you leave London and go somewhere else, it can be a bit daunting. But it sounds like you had a really great time up there. I had a really great time, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. So, Lydia, um, in your own words, I mean, yeah, tell us the story about your father. And I I believe you were away at the time, so go for it. So um, it was the summer of 2013, August 2013, and um, we'd gone away on a family holiday um, the week before he passed away. And then we arrived, we came back to the UK uh, two days before he passed. And then um, August 12th was my mum's birthday and um, everything was fine. We were all happy and he was healthy and there was no sign that anything was wrong. And then... um, August 13th in the morning he 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 didn't get up basically and um yeah he he had he had a heart attack uh in the morning and um my mum's a nurse so oh wow she was able to kind she tried um and she tried before the ambulance came and Mm. they were able to stabilize him but he got to the hospital and um passed away a couple hours later so that was really hard because he wasn't sick and um it was very unexpected but yeah that's that's what happened it was a bit it was a bit traumatic actually and I was only 16 and I'm I'm Mm -hmm. one of five so there's there's quite a few of us in the house and my Mm. youngest brother was four so he's kind of grown up without really knowing my dad and my older brother is just three years older than me so we were still all quite young under 20 all of us were so 
Oh gosh! Shock when it happened. Heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah, terrible shock when something so sudden like that happens. Definitely. Yeah. So, do you kind of remember what the dynamics were like um, in those day in those days, or just after between all of you? Like, what was your reaction? Do you? I I know it was shock, but do you kind of do you recall at all what your instant reaction was and? You know, were you guys at the hospital, kind of? Um, so my dad passed away. So he, he he passed away technically before, like, 12 uh, on on the 13th of August. Mm. So um, we were all at home except my older brother, my mum, and my uncle who went to the hospital. Okay. And I was, so I was the oldest in the house, kind of. We had our neighbours with us, but we were all like, oh, we, I was definitely in a state of, oh, I'll be fine, like, we'll get daddy grapes because he loves grapes, <laughs> you know, that kind oh, of, yeah. oh, we're just, we're going to go to the hospital and it'll be fine and the doctor yeah. will fix him and we'll go yeah. and visit him. Yeah. And then um, we got a phone call from my uncle and he was like, I'm really sorry, but your dad's, your dad's dead. And I was just in a state of disbelief and just like, did you really just say those words to me? Because it all happened so fast. And then mum came home and and yeah like just everyone was just heartbroken and in shock and just like what's what what's actually just happened mm. um and we immediately had lots of people visiting us yeah um, what was that like it it was I personally didn't really I just me personally like I didn't really like it because mm. I just I just wanted to be able to make sense of it with my immediate family at the time just to be like I like did that actually just happen can we just process it before we have loads of people mm. we've not seen in years yeah to us and saying sorry for your loss be strong for your mum it's like um you know <laughs> of course I'll try and be strong for my mum but like I'm a 16 year old who just lost my dad like give me a break too yeah that's very that I think that's a cultural thing yeah because we're we're Nigerian um yeah and it is very much a uh like uh men be strong um so so my older brother he was immediate they were immediately saying to him like you're head of family now uh and giving him that responsibility which I wow like. wow um, and he's young himself yeah he was what 19 at the time wow so I don't I think I think it's very much a, an African or Nigerian mindset at least to be like okay the kid like he's head of the family now and you know all of you be strong for your mum without kind of realizing that well not that they didn't realize it but you know for us it was still we just lost our dad and you're telling us to (laughs) to be strong there was no space to really yeah grieve I'd say and it's I wouldn't say it was uh, in any way malicious but just not really having a completely different cultural mindset to us who were maybe like born born in the UK and kind of raised with a different, Mm. I don't know, it was just, it was a tricky one. It was a weird one. It is a cultural one, yes. Uh, I can definitely resonate with that. Um, I don't know why they do that. I don't know either. (laughs) It's It's so weird. Yeah, it's just like, hello, I'm a kid myself. Like, what am I going to do now? Am I (laughs) going to quit studying and like, you know, stop? Yeah. what am I gonna do it's 
I know, but they don't teach us about these things in school. They really don't, no. And, and, you know, so how, where are you going to know where to begin? And if you're strong, who's strong for you? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But. So, so tell me, what was your, inf- I mean, I, I know it's really important that you mentioned that a lot of people turned up, even people you hadn't seen in years. Mm. And, and I find that often happens with communities when, mm. it's like some auntie you haven't seen since you were born. Yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> turns up, and you're like, who are you? And it's <laughs> So, like, that must have been overwhelming for you guys. It was. I. It definitely was for me. And I'm, like, I'm quite vocal about my thoughts and feelings. And I was just, like, these people didn't care when he was alive. So why yeah. have you turned up? That was the way I took it. And now on reflection, they were, you know, they came because they cared about my dad and they cared about our family. And it was that community kind of spirit and that, you know, we're you know he grew up around us or we knew him growing up kind of thing so let's let's um say say our goodbyes and yeah. um I can send our commiserations to his family but at the same time it's like you people were not you weren't there when he was alive so yeah it's it's almost too late for that <laughs> but at, but you know I but I'm just that type of person I was when my dad passed I just kind of the world the way I viewed the world changed yeah um, and everything was a lot more negative and I'm still working on that um but talk me, I, talk so, me through that what yeah. was your outlook like because a lot of people comment um it is like a turning point in your life yeah so yeah what was your outlook like um so I've I've been raised in a Christian household and I I would say that I'm I am a Christian um but uh at the time I I'd say that I was like the strongest in my faith I was like I was 16 and I was really trying to understand what Christianity was because when you're you're raising it you don't really you don't really know it you're just it's just a thing in your life and yeah, yeah for sure and I wanted to understand it more and I felt like I was getting to a place where okay I kind of I understand this now I think I I really believe it now and then my dad passed away and I was like what are you doing man in the sky like what are you doing god like why would you (laughs) why why is it when I'm I'm really trying you would take Mm -hmm. my dad away from me and that's the way I took it and I I don't really know where I am now with my faith but it really did um, mess up my mindset Um, Mm -hmm. and just my perception of the world where I would say that my dad was a very, very good man. And I don't think anyone deserves to die, you know, especially prematurely. But he was a very good man who had so much more to give and who left behind a young family and didn't get to do all the things he wanted to. And for me, that was like, why, why him? I don't, didn't understand that. So now I just kind of, it, things became very much, well, you know negative for me but then at the same time I did kind of change my view of life of well we've got to I've got it bad but some people have got it even worse than me and Mm -hmm. um 
I was given an opportunity to do some charity work in New Orleans in the US because yeah. um, of Katrina. Mm. Um, and wow. I was I was just thinking, you know, all of those people there, some of them lost their dads too, but they also lost their livelihoods. They lost their homes. So let me do a good thing like my dad, I think, would have wanted me to do and try and help them. So two minds, like I kind of was a bit more negative about religion and faith I guess but then a bit more positive about how to look at life because it is too short if that makes Mm. sense it does yeah Yeah. that that's your reality of how you processed it at the time and you were only 16 yeah and you're still in this journey because you're what now only 22 yeah um so yeah so when you went to New Orleans, was that mm-hmm. kind of the year that your dad died or just after? Or? Um, it was the year. It was the summer after. So it was a year. Wow. Was it? That no, soon? I think so, yeah. Wow. Summer after. Wow. Hats off to you. Wow. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I just, I was just like, I'm, I've got it bad, but I know that there are people who, who've also lost their parents or the rest of their family and if I can do anything then you know let me try yeah yeah you got some perspective or you look yeah for sure perspective okay yeah. yeah that's amazing wow that's incredible god you're so brave <laughs> I don't know I, I wouldn't say brave just a bit more realistic about life I don't know yeah just it just felt like something I had to do I don't know the opportunity came up and I was like I really feel like I should do this yeah 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 wow Lydia so you talked a little bit about faith um Mm. there that you had that kind of to and fro with the faith and you're questioning things did you go to church at the you know up until 16 were you going to the church or yeah so uh, my dad was catholic Oh, okay. Um, we were a Catholic family generally. Um, my mum is Christian, but not Catholic. Um, but anyway, Catholic church, and I grew up going to church. I had my first communion and my confirmation mm-hmm. and all of that. And my yeah. dad was also buried there, so I was going to church up until then. Up until your father had died. Yeah. Okay. And do you go to church now, or? Um. No. So, after my dad passed, I didn't go for. A couple months because I yeah. I just didn't it was it wasn't I just didn't want to be in that space that he was buried in if that yeah makes of sense. course I'm yeah just of like, course it's hard brought up weird memories yeah but then um I I did carry on going but there was still that kind of but why when mm-hmm. when you just think about when I just when I would think about who it would be a but why but why but why kind of thing yeah. Um, and you need your space, didn't you, away yeah, from that? Yeah, 100%. Um, and I'm glad I had it. Um, and kind of as I was at uni, I, I honestly, like, I didn't... I, I, I'd I have times when I felt, felt like I had to go, I had to be in that space to reflect. And then other times I just wouldn't go. And honestly, like, in the last year, I haven't really been. And mm. that's not a conversation I have with my mum, but... That's yeah. just my reality at the moment. Yeah, it's, hard. it's a hard one. Yeah. 
it's a hard one in terms of having a conversation with family about that when it's yes, about it faith especially when your parents are of a different generation 100 <laughs> percent yeah oh wow so you were doing your GCSEs at the time is that correct um so I'd just finished my GCSEs and it was the summer of getting the results before going to my A-levels what was that like when you got your results it was really hard to be honest um so I I was quite lucky I had um well not I would lucky is probably the wrong word but I had a friend um who lost her dad just a year prior to me losing my dad Mm. and um she just really like helped and supported me when it happened because she'd obviously gone through it and her mum um took me to get my GCSE results which was really helpful because my dad was that one person my dad was the person who I'd talk to about school stuff and about choosing options and about how exams are going. That was like my dad's role. Um, and so that was really hard not having that, but having my friend and her mum, not filling that gap, but just being there temporarily to help me go and get my results was really helpful because yeah. otherwise I don't know, I don't think I would have been able to go in because that yeah. was the thing me and my dad talked about going to do. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. oh gosh and that's so that's so incredibly hard and sad when you planned something with someone you yeah. know the person you love and then they're, they're not there to share that with you that must have been a really difficult day for you um Definitely. and I can hear it in your voice as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. bless you I'm, re- I'm really happy you had your friend and your friend's mum there as, as support to kind of hold you in that moment metaphorically speaking um so talking about the people that supported you at the time um what was your environment like like your space in terms of your friends would you say that they were quite supportive you know did people understand you know um so I really struggled to tell people okay sorry hold on yeah (laughs) um yeah that's common actually when you're at that age yeah yeah, I, I didn't I didn't want people to look at me and feel sympathy mm-hmm. I didn't want people to change the way they looked at me because I didn't want to be the girl whose dad died but obviously that was my reality mm. um so I feel like I did push friends away um oh. to be honest but you know I had some really good um persistent <laughs> friends who would force themselves would like come to my house like what are you doing here and they'd just be like we just want to sit with you and Aww. see that you're okay and Aww. I'm I'm really blessed to have had those people and obviously my friend whose mum who who went through it the year before she was really important and always there for me as well so that, that was that was lovely helpful. yeah yeah it's really lovely um what did you at all experience any sort of conspiracy of silence I don't know if you know what that is um I'll explain it also to our listeners it's when people know something has happened to you something major event has happened to you they they're well aware of it but they suddenly start avoiding you or they'll Mm. address you but they won't address that matter so I I say that I've had that a bit later on as I've got older and told people because because I because it happened in the summer of between school I Mm. I wasn't in school when people could like whisper and talk about it yeah and when I 
started my A levels, I went to a new school and I was the only person from my school to go there. So oh, no one really knew apart from a few teachers. And it was mm. only until I'd tell someone that my dad passed away that they they'd then be a bit like, oh, and you could you could tell like people would when people would find out or they'd see me upset, they'd be like, oh, it's because that's happened. But because no one really knew me. I didn't have that kind of conspiracy of silence, if I've understood it correctly. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah that, yeah, you have, it's because you've moved to a new school and yeah. you're not in that same environment. Um, so, yeah, um, so it's interesting because um, you transitioned then into a new school to do your A-levels. Mm-hmm. That transition must have been hard um was it difficult actually going into a fresh new space of new faces um I say there were positives to it and negatives I yeah I felt like I was going to a place where no one knew me so I didn't have this cloud of oh her dad's yeah because yeah. a lot of people in my uh, secondary school would have known but mm. then at the same time um I didn't have that yeah uh kind of maybe support that I would have had yeah so it's a bit of a in the middle really in a way it was great and in a way it was like when you're having a bad day in this new space yeah you know a particularly tough one there's Definitely. nobody knows so yeah apart from the few teachers yeah yeah wow gosh it's so I think it's hard being 16 17 <laughs> it's not easy it's not it's really not it's so it's the worst time I not that there's any good time but when you're still <laughs> and I was definitely a daddy's girl like I'm I'm one of five and I've only I've, I'm the only girl so I was super close to my dad so it was hard it was yeah. hard yeah yeah <laughs> it's, I I can resonate with that when you're the, the daddy's girl and you are the only girl in the family <laughs> um it's a it's a different kind of relationship it is yeah and it's heartbreaking um and it's it's hard yeah get that so like did you have any feelings of anger like what would you say were your I mean you talked about that you questioned and challenged things a lot mm. of why why did you have any sort of anger or like because people show it in different ways don't they like anger and sadness or they just kind of go into a shell how would you mm. describe yours um it fluctuated at the beginning it was kind of just a, a, like a, I, I felt nothing I'd say which is weird but I felt nothing I was kind of like as I said earlier like shock like did that actually happen and then I definitely would cry a lot and then um, I did get to a point where I was very angry and I took it out on um, the uncle that told me because um, you I you know you do look for, for reasons um, to kind of make sense of it and he told me on the phone and at the time I was like I didn't like the way he told me on the phone as if there's any good way or easy way to tell someone that their dad's just passed away but I was obviously looking for something and I I was angry at him and I was angry for him for the way he told me and I I remember shouting and I you know that's something I really regret now because it wasn't his fault and it's no one's fault it just happened but I was looking for something and someone to be angry with and 
Yeah, yeah, of course. And that's normal, actually. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that you're angry at your uncle, uh, per yeah. se. It was, you know, it's a terrible shock, the way they unraveled so suddenly. Uh, someone, I always find someone will bear the brunt of that anger. But it's, mm. I just want to say to our listeners, it's, I mean, it, I guess it depends on your circumstances, but it's, it's not that you're angry at that person you're angry at what's happened it's an injustice that's happened to you and he's your father and he's been you know taken away from you and it's you know I I don't know I don't want you to regret that but it's it's how you felt at the time so but we all have these when it comes to grief we all have these different fluctuating feelings as you say up and down of anger guilt and regret and reflection and challenging things and it I just want to say to everyone it's really normal I want to normalize that Mm. it is normal and it's necessary and it has to happen as long as you're not physically harming anybody (laughs) because then you may need to reach out for help right yeah Yeah. so um was there anything that annoyed you at the time and when I say annoyed anything that anyone said consistently that annoyed you um well you kind of you've got to be strong for your mum or uh just from random people that turned up to our house who I'm like I don't even know who you are like you've got to be strong for your mum or um stay you know work hard you know um you'll be fine blah 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 or um there's one what is it I'm sorry for your loss which I know isn't yeah yeah I hate that one as well (laughs) yeah I'm just like why are you (laughs) why are you sorry like it's not your fault but I understand it what do you say and you know going back to what you said um earlier we're not really taught how to deal with grief just as a society so no one knows what to say and so the whole I'm sorry for your loss is is a classic but it's like come on what it's a bit meaningless yeah yeah Yeah. it is it's just a bit empty yeah okay I know yeah. you're sorry, but what? And what, you know? Yeah. I sound horrible, but <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I yeah. get it. I, you don't at all. There's so many listeners and so, new, so many of my other guests that have been on the podcast will resonate exactly with what you're saying. It's a bit empty and it's a bit generic. And mm. what are you sorry for? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I understand the intention behind it because they're trying to comfort you, but really they're just trying to comfort themselves. Yes. But, and yes. we're not yeah we're not we're not tall are we no we're not <laughs> yeah it is almost it's their sympathy it's their feeling of sympathy for mm. us is, is how it is what the intention is behind that um and I know it's not a bad intention but sometimes it's just not helpful mm. yeah so I feel like you know the the this club that we're all in grieving club deaf club whatever you want to call it I feel like we all need to like teach each other in our environment Like we can make small changes in our environment how we love each other and talk to each other and kind of what works and what doesn't and it'll be different for everybody but yeah that I get that it's a hard one I'm sorry for your loss yeah I I hear you on that 100% so yeah talk me through um your father's funeral kind of it was a blend of two cultures like British and Nigerian um so two days before his funeral the day before we had a service of songs which is kind of um like a 
just lots of prayer and hymns and um, people kind of speaking about him um, in in a like church setting and that was that was quite beautiful actually because um, just hearing people talk about my dad um, in such a lovely way was was really nice um, and um, it was very culturally Nigerian um, and yeah. that's what my dad would have wanted I think so um, that was that was really nice to have um, what does that look like of, um, just just the type of songs we play and the pray the type of prayer it's not um, <laughs> it's not like I don't know if you've ever been to a Catholic church, but it's I have, just yeah. it's just very very chill and very um, mellow. Um, whereas a Pentecostal church, for example, is the complete opposite. It's very loud, um, yeah, and singing. very yeah. singing, yeah, loud singing and lots and lots of energy. And yeah. um, even though that wasn't my dad's character, I feel like he would have enjoyed that bit. Um, and yeah, just kind of having that space separate to the funeral because it was before the funeral for um people to come and just speak about him um that's that's what it was largely um just an opportunity for people to open up and talk about him and it was really nice hearing that so many people um not just uh you know Nigerians um and family but people he works with people of all races um came and it that was just really nice for me that you know my dad was such an open person and that was reflected in um in his goodbye um and then we had the funeral the day after and that was in the catholic church um and that was that was really nice um the church was full and again that was that was like that was nice because everyone saw my dad the way i saw him as just this Mm. amazing wonderful loving man um and people came from all over all over the country wow some people even flew in just to say goodbye so that was so nice um to see uh and yeah uh it was it was hard so there's a tradition in my parents place um in in a part of Nigeria where you um I don't know maybe people do it everywhere but you you throw sand on your uh on the casket before it's uh before the undertakers kind of do everything and put him fully in the ground and that was really hard for me just seeing my dad's body being lowered but then being told that I have to kind of chuck sand over (laughs) over the casket and it wasn't a question of if you want it was a you have to which again is a cultural thing and for me it was like I don't get it and I don't know if I want to do it because it just felt weird for me to to do that it kind of felt a bit disrespectful but in in the tradition it's that's what's required you you as his child kind of throw sand on him before he's fully covered up and that was really hard for me Mm. but I did I did do it but um that annoyed me a bit because people kind of like just do it just do it it's like I'm sorry but I'm, I'm literally I'm still grieving I'm still processing everything please give me a chance yeah yeah. Um, yeah that is difficult when people are telling you yeah. to do something in that moment when you know it's really hard to at the burial point I find mm-hmm. and then you got people in your ear oh, yeah. yeah and you're just <laughs> trying to process it yeah this is your goodbye yeah and it was it was extra hard I think so my dad's funeral was quite late after he died because okay. um, there was a bit of 
drama shall I say with the family um so my dad had always said that when he's old and retired he wants to move back to Nigeria um which is you know fair and we wanted him to get there but unfortunately he didn't and um but he he obviously died early and so us being his children here we wanted my dad buried in the UK there was a lot of um arguments from his family over there who wanted him to be taken to Nigeria and it caused a lot of drama and they just really were a bit mean so even now I don't really have the best relationship with my dad's side of the family because they were just completely it was when culture got in the way of like just respect and feelings yeah we were no like these were people who never really asked of us as his children and you know never really talked to him unless they needed stuff and then as soon as he passed it was like okay you need to fly him back to to Nigeria country that we'd never even really been to Mm. his children so that was that was hard and so his funeral was a couple weeks later than after he died so for us that was it was like having that kind of break of like arguing between and then having my dad's funeral was hard because it it was like going back again back to that moment of like crap he's he's actually dead like it's not it's not the couple of weeks where we've not really known what's going on because he's not been buried if that makes sense I don't know if that makes sense yeah it does yeah it does yeah it's families are convoluted and they they delay things (laughs) they do they just you know and I get that whole cultural thing about burying in the motherland or the fatherland Mm. how you know if you want to call it to you know where your kids are and where your grandkids are and you know where you can visit the grave and yeah or visit the place where you scattered the ashes um and there is that I, I like to use the word selfish. I find mm. that when there's family you haven't seen in years or you haven't been back to the mother or fatherland in so long, it can be a bit of a selfish thing. But because people are just, when you're in your emotions and you're in your grief, you just think about how you're feeling. And um, yeah, it's a, it is a very much a cultural one. That's a tricky one, I find. Um, and when that t- time is just going after the person has died, as the time goes on, it's hard. Mm. And then you get into these fights. And these fights seem to prolong after after the funeral. Yeah, um, yeah so that's a really hard one. And I don't even know how we navigate that when we're grieving. I don't know how you navigated that. It just sounds messy. Yeah, it was. I just felt a lot of anger really because these were family that didn't <clears throat> didn't really interact or talk to us when we were growing up didn't really know yeah. much about us and then suddenly they wanted my dad's um my dad to be taken back and these for me in my opinion were people that constantly disrespected him so I didn't really understand that and I was annoyed I was annoyed yeah. that they felt that entitlement when yeah. they didn't even I mean they still don't <laughs> They still don't talk to us. Uh, I, yeah, there's a lot of, I don't know if it's similar in other um, BAME communities, but there's a lot of money in funerals. And um, I'm not saying that that was their intention, but with, in, in, at least in Nigerian setting, funerals are a, a real celebration of that person's life. It's not a time to 
it's it's not when you want to celebrate that person and you want them to you you want to glorify them in that moment and so it's almost a party and and I don't I use the word party very loosely because it's obviously not a celebration but it's a celebration of their life if that makes sense yeah it does so you know there would have had to there would have been a lot of um money thrown into it and I felt like for them that was they just wanted control of that you know I don't know if it's the idea of you know you're in the UK so you're rich and you're Oh, I hate really that. Well. Yeah, it's like it's not true. Do you know how? Not like, true. I hate that. They're so America. annoying. I can. <laughs> I mean, I'm South Asian, and I know okay. exactly what you're saying. I know exactly what you're saying. But it, they're just. Oh my god. Yeah. They think. Oh, because you're a Londony. This is how. Yeah, we you've get. got lots of money. Yeah, you've got <laughs> lots of money. No, I live in a council estate <laughs> in the suburbs of West London. I ain't got that money, and I'm working all these jobs. We're just. You know, this isn't actually a rich city. Well, well, it's you know it's just not stupid. for us anyway <laughs> yeah not for us oh uh, uh, yeah yeah that is so skewed their perception yeah, it is mm. it's an interesting one and I think I'm really glad you brought that up because a lot of uh, a lot of the guests and anyone that's listening from BAME communities and he's even non-BAME communities they're, mm. they're going to learn something new about that uh, yeah that's actually very common across our communities that's a very common thing it's not right no (laughs) yeah yeah so what are your memories of your father what do you remember how do you remember him um they're all positive my dad was like the nicest person um the kindest person he had such a wonderful heart and he had the funniest laugh that's that's one thing I hope I never forget his laugh was just like I've got an awful laugh, but his laugh is like even worse than mine. And it's just <laughs> nice, like, yeah, hearing that. We've got home videos, so sometimes I'm and I'm blessed, we're blessed to have them. I can just like listen and watch and I'll see him and hear him talk and um hear his his laugh. But my dad always like pushed me to be my best and was that person that I could open up to in a way that I don't I couldn't really open up to my mum because I was I'm a daddy's girl I was super close to him so yeah my memories of my dad are so wonderful and um he was super supportive and wanted me to do my best and to live my dreams and luckily I'm I'm able to do that now because I had that support from when I was young so yeah my dad's a great man (laughs) beautiful that's So I wanted to talk to you about compassionate leave in the UK. As, as someone who you're working, I'm assuming, in the city mm-hmm. for a charity, I just wanted to talk to you about the compassionate leave policy. Do you know what the policy is in the UK? I don't, actually. 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. Many of us don't until it happens. <laughs> yeah, and actually, a lot of the time, employers don't know about their own compassionate leave policy. Mm. Um, so the policy is you get one day for emergencies. One. That's, it's advised by ACAS. That is one day. But actually, there is no policy or legislation. It's down to your employer's judgment. Wow. Now, that's awful. Mm. yeah it is and I'm gonna swear now it's really fucking awful yeah it is because I didn't know we were allowed to swear <laughs> you can swear babe yeah. okay that's good <laughs> yeah, go I've held it. my tongue a bit <laughs> yeah no for yourself go for it um no rules here so yeah I I the policy just really angers me well I mean I don't even know why I'm saying policy because there is no policy yeah but if an employer rings ACAS they'll be like one day for emergencies but you know you should have a compassionate leave policy in place and most places will have like between one and five days but it's down to the employer's judgment and actually essentially it's down to your line manager's judgment and the relationship you had with your line manager Gosh. And we know how complex and convoluted that can be. Hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. So it's not holistic. It's it, and it's not a holistic way of dealing with it, and it varies. Now, I I, I think on Insta I posted something about compassionate leave on Deaf Cafe Bame a page, and a lot of people they left their stories and they commented and they said, yeah, it's you know it depends where where you do work. It depends on your luck really mm. and also who your manager is and also it kind of depends on the person who died in your life yes yeah that's true because let's say your grandmother is the person that was like the mother figure mm. they kind of still see that as grandmother so mother's yeah. mother yeah. or uh, father's mother so it's like they don't they'll just they might not be as generous with the mm. leave but it really, it comes down to the relationship you have with the person, how holistic it is. And also, how long does it take to grieve? Like, is exactly. one, one day, five days enough? <laughs> That's so true. I'd actually, just on that, my, so my mum got quite a long time. Is my mum's a nurse, so she works yeah. in the NHS and they were very, very generous mm. um, and let her, like, stagger her time back to work. But she was telling me that, another employee who lost her grandmother like you said only got a couple days and she really really struggled and ended up leaving because she didn't feel like she had enough time to um, to grieve yeah and to process yeah because she's yeah. very close to her grandma so what you said is just spot on yeah see isn't that mad and I think it's lovely that your mum it sounds like she had a holistic um phase back into work definitely which is what which is what I think is a great model it's mm. perfect and that's great that the NHS do that but then yeah it's it's like you know what if it was my best friend or um you know it depends on the relationship that you have yeah. with that person it's so hard and I I can't get my head around why we have we don't have a set policy I feel like it needs to be fixed and it needs to be holistic because with mental health and depression and everything else that's like a leading issue now health issue it all goes hand in hand and the lot you know is it a good thing that an employee eventually leaves an organization because of that because they weren't supported I don't think so mm. 
and employers I feel like if any employers are listening or anyone in employment law I think it's something we need to think about actually and challenge a little bit more because I work as a volunteer on a helpline and I hear hundreds of stories of how people are struggling to go back to work or they've quit their job or they're not getting the support they need at work and they're having to work around it with doctor's sick notes gosh and it's it's sad it's and sustainable. yeah yeah it's not it's not sustainable uh, it's mad so I hope that's given some of our listeners a bit of food for thought something to think about um and I think we've given some great examples there so I want to do um what shall we talk about now I don't want to forget that we talked about community support earlier so you had some community support when your father died are you able to tell me what that looked like for you before we talk about counselling um so when I say community support it wasn't actually when my dad died it was when I got to university um Mm. so it was a couple years after um and we so my university uh, had a society for people who'd lost loved ones um we were called um, oh lovely uh, yeah it was amazing um we were called bsn so bereaved um, student network mm. and um we all had similar stories we'd lost a parent we lost both parents we'd lost a sibling um you know a grandma a grandfather um just like people who'd even um we had mature students who'd lost a son or whatever and um but the similarity between all of us was that we'd lost a loved one and being in that support group was so great for me because I don't think I'd ever really um I I never had like formal counselling I probably need it I'm not gonna lie but I never had that kind of um proper support until I found that university society and um, I was able to just talk openly without feeling like I was gonna be judged yeah 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 it's amazing when you have a mutual support group, isn't it? When other people 100%. have been in similar yeah. situations. Definitely. Wow. And how long was that support group for? Was it for the duration of your degree? Um, or? So they, I think they only started in my third year. So um, I only had it for two years because I did a straight master's. So um, mm-hmm. I had it for two years. But in those two years, I really got to, I really opened up and I really, learned a lot about myself and about like just the grieving process Mm. generally and interacting with people who'd gone through similar things was really helpful for me yeah that's amazing it sounds like group process that you have when you're a counseling skills student or doing psychotherapy training Mm. yeah it's quite similar you have a group process there's no judgment it's a safe environment yes and yeah. you can say everything you need to say. Oh, I'm so glad you had that support. That sounds really good. And the, there's a lot of different groups like that out there now. So I'm really glad that your university had that group. Was it mm. set up by the staff or by students? Um, it was set up by a student who'd lost his dad, I believe. Um, so, yeah, he, oh. it was set up by a student, run by students, Um and yeah, I don't, I don't think the university would have taken that initiative to do something like that, um, because when we talk about death, I feel like a lot of the time people just assume it's an older person. Like, for example, a child losing their parent, it's automatically going to be an older person losing their parent who was in their eighties or whatever. Yeah, which is a generalization, but yeah, that's not accurate. Time, 
yeah especially university students go through stuff like that too so yeah that's nice. mad yeah. I really I really dislike that I was talking to some, like a colleague of mine a few days ago about that like death is not for one group of people or a particular mm. age it's not reserved for a specific group hello it can happen to any of us at Anyone, any time 100 percent. yeah and the, and there is that society thinking that it can only happen to a certain demographic or a certain age group and I, yeah. I that needs to change we need to stop being so ageist and yes yeah <laughs> you know gosh I'm that's amazing that group sounds fantastic is it still going it is still going uh, yeah. and I've left uni so it's it's kind of sad seeing it <laughs> not sad but um, I almost wish that I had something like that here in London but you know you said that there's loads around so I might I might just look for them yeah I've do. never really done that yeah, there's deaf cafes around London. I mean, I run the Bain one upon request. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a, a young person's one as well, the Grief Network. I think I've said the name correctly. Uh, it's for people that have lost someone in their teens, 20s and 30s. Okay, and they amazing. run events across London um, monthly, I think. Um, I look it up. Yeah, shout them out. I'm just shouting them out. I think they're on Instagram. So yeah, uh, yeah, give it a go. You know, it's a, it's another for for everyone that's listening as well. Go to these things. Um, you can come to the Bain one, but I only set them up upon request. So yeah, um, yeah, there's a lots out there in London um, because sometimes our universities and our employers don't think about these things no. <laughs> until it happens. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about cancelling, actually. So you're open to it, are you saying? Um, yeah, I I would say I am. What would what is stopping you? Um, not really knowing where to look, and um, just from friends who have had to do that. Um, not necessarily for grief, but uh, they've just said that it's quite expensive. Yeah, it's not accessible, is it? No. No, especially if you're from a disadvantaged background or, you know, I've had guests say that they're from working class backgrounds. I I myself am from a working class background and it isn't, it's not as accessible Mm. to everybody. Um, So, yeah, that is a bit of a block and it's a bit of a challenge. So the question I guess I would put out there uh, to the people that are listening, including counsellors that are training and already qualified how do you reach your communities Mm. if they can't afford it then they can't come into your lovely room with your couch where Mm -hmm. it's between 70 and 100 pounds for 50 minutes yeah yeah um and communities do need a lot of support I find BAME communities especially they need Mm. they need the support so that's interesting. I mean, you can probably go to your GP to ask for a therapist. It varies. I don't know what they're, what kind of programs or how it works, but you can always go to your GP. You might find you're on a waiting list. Um, Cruise Bereavement, I just want to shout them out. They're a charity in the UK and they do offer face-to-face sessions. They do offer book telephone support. 
and other things for children and, and young people. So you could always reach out to them. There's also Child Bereavement UK um, that you could look into. There, there are some charities out there, um, various ones that you can reach out to and see if you can get low cost or a three face to face um sessions uh i think my understanding is that cruise is free mm-hmm. okay, yeah amazing. yeah and it's it's for yourself and all our other listeners that aren't aware because i didn't know this for 10 whole years yeah had, you know i went a decade of just rebuilding my own life and i didn't know about any of these resources until only early this year so yeah. i hope that's helpful no, definitely. I actually, um, when my dad passed, I remember us getting leaflets in the post, but they were for um, a, uh, a wife who'd lost a husband or a husband who lost their wife. And I didn't see anything for children. So I don't know if there's, I don't know if you know if, it, maybe I just didn't see them, but I didn't see if th- that there was anything for for us, for me and my brothers. Yeah, so uh, there's Child Bereavement UK, for that age group I think it's up to 25 years yeah for children that have been bereaved and they offer it's free book telephone support and um they offer sort of what I would call it is it's like a it's called bereavement support it's not cancelling so you can try different techniques it's creative depending on your age and you meet with someone regularly and they give you a number of sessions actually I don't think there's an end to the sessions it's as long as you need so there's no no time limits so the child bereavement UK up to the age of 25 but you have to see how where you live because you have to see what the closest service is to where you live by postcode yeah yeah so you could go on their website go on there's a directory type in your postcode and they'll give you a list of all the services not just them but everyone else that is close to you Mm. and they'll give you a list and there'll be stuff for children because there is there is a lot of charities out there that are supporting bereaved children and teenagers and young people so this leaflet you got I don't know I don't know who that charity was but there are some charities that yes only support spouse bereavement and parents and things like that so it requires a bit of research yeah yeah. and when you're grieving you don't really no. always have the time or energy no. to do that <laughs> who's, who's got the mindset to do that yeah. and actually statistics show us that it happens a bit later on okay that that work happens a bit later on it doesn't happen just as you've been breathed it can happen five six years later or two years later um and that's okay it doesn't matter mm. how long you've been breathed if you've been breathed 10 20 30 40 years if you go back 30 years later to revisit something you'll still get supported there's no time frame that's good to know yeah and it's important I think it's important that everyone is aware of that so now we're going to go on to the gratefulness challenge um do you want to take part in the gratefulness challenge um I'd love to know yeah sure what is it (laughs) yeah so like I like to do this thing towards the end of the podcast um where we say that we're grateful for one thing today like in the here and now so Mm -hmm. take it in turns 
and I I know some people say that's so cheesy Corsima <laughs> it's so cliche but I really like it because it's not because I'm trying to put a positive spin on everything that everything has to have a positive spin but I just you know I did a gratefulness challenge a year ago on insta stories and I found it very frustrating but very helpful sometimes um so we could just say one thing we're grateful for today in the here and now. I'm happy to go first, or do you want to go yeah. first? Yeah, is that okay if you go first? <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. Yeah, it's an awkward one. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that, it's hard. I want people to know it can be hard. Um, I'm grateful that I'm alive. I've woken up this morning. I'm not mm. really a, a morning person. I'm grateful for that. <laughs> as small as it is um and the I always say it that I'm always so grateful that people share their stories with me so openly um and that we have all these variety of platforms and resources that we can reach out to whenever we're ready so I'm grateful for that because I'm doing that myself now and I'm just really thankful for all these people that are volunteering their time you know people that have full-time jobs that are volunteering and setting up all these things so yeah and I'm grateful to be speaking to you in this moment now it feels very special I feel like I'm learning a lot of different things so yeah thank you thank you um what am I grateful I'm grateful I'm not I'm not copying you but um I'm grateful for waking up this morning as well um because you know life is um is short and you never know which is a bit morbid, but also true. So I'm grateful for waking up this morning. Um, and I'm grateful for the opportunities I've been given. Um, this is this being one of them. Um, thank you for letting me open up and share my story. And I hope that someone out there can resonate with it in some way. Um, but also the opportunities in my life. I'm very lucky to have, um, have the things I have and um, work in the place I work and be with, have the people in my life that I do. So, yeah. I'm grateful for that. Lydia Akoble, you're in the bereavement room. I'm your host, Colsey Marley. <laughs>